Good morning. I want to open our service with a couple of scriptures. These are verses 19 and 20 from Psalms 68. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Our God is the God of salvation, and to the Lord, to God the Lord belong escapes from death. So thank Him for all of His benefits. And we do have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Even amid this terrible pandemic, my wife and I came through it fine, and we know of several others. Now, we know that everybody hasn't survived it, but God's still in control, so thank Him for His benefits. I want to welcome you here today. Uh, any visitors, we have several, please fill out a Connect card in the hymnal rack in front of you so we can connect with you. This coming Wednesday night, Scott will be continuing our Bible study on Fruit of the Spirit. Next Sunday, Ray Owens will be speaking for us. If you want to give today, there's a lockbox back on the wall back there. You can put a check or cash in there. Uh, or you can give at cypressstreet.church. This coming Sunday... September the 19th, from 12 to 2, we're finally going to have, rain or shine, the children's back-to-school party. Uh, any adults like to play on a slip and slide? I know y'all all like pizza. But anyway, it's really for kids. But uh, they'll have a lot of things, floats, water limbo, snow cones. They'll probably like that slip and slide most of all, though. So... If you've got children, school age, make sure they're here for that. Let's uh, have a word of prayer as we get ready to go. Well, first, I forgot about this. After circles today, John Spires, and he's back here, got a lot of his family with him. Uh, those that get ready to leave circles, they're encouraging you, if you can, to come back there into the fellowship hall and enjoy some birthday cake, whatever refreshments they got there, a punch or something, and wish you a happy birthday. But right now, let's all do it together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to John, I know it's going to be united, but we would want to say, and many more. <laughs> All right, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. We know, Lord, that sometimes we have troubles and trials, but that's just part of your shaping us and leading us closer to you. So, Lord, we thank you for all you do for us. We still live in the greatest nation in the world. We ask your blessings on our leaders that they would make the right decisions to lead us forward. Bless us in today's service. Bless God as it brings us the word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our church bylaws directs that our nominating committee be composed of persons who represent their areas of service. I would like to introduce 
to you, the 2021 nominating committee, please stand when your name is called. Dale Green represents the mission committee. Vicki Cootie represents Christian education and children. And there are two members from the congregation at large, Butch Hathaway and Donna Ward. And Carolyn Hogue represents the leadership team. And I am Nancy Elmore. I represent the business team. And I'm the chairman of the nominating committee. You may sit down now. This year, we will need your nominations for two members for the leadership team and two members for the business team. Next Sunday, September the 19th, the congregation will be given the opportunity to write down and turn in your nominations for the vacancies on these teams. We have yellow sheets of paper, you can't miss them, for you to pick up on your way out after church or after circles. These sheets will explain who cannot be nominated for certain teams due to term limits, members who will continue to serve on the teams, and qualifications from the bylaws for those serving on these teams, and a list of people from the church directory to aid in your selections. Please read the information provided, prayerfully consider your nominations, and be open to agreeing to serve if you are asked. Thank you. Won't you stand with us this morning as we begin our, our singing portion of our worship service? Beautiful, beautiful song, Before the Throne of God Above. Oh 
think our speaker this morning needs an introduction except maybe to our guest but for those of you who don't know him it's Scott Lamb he's been filling in for us while we're searching for a pastor but before he speaks we're going to have a word of prayer the prayer requests are printed in your bulletin there the Bill Astor family Marie and LB Honeycutt Ken McConnell Jerry Crane Justin Kreisel our COVID situations and you're all aware of the Hurricane Ida recovery workers and the situation. I know some of y'all might be housing people that's taken refuge from their powerless homes down in South Louisiana. I know I've got a cousin that's uh, had a family stay with them for a couple of weeks. Anyway, let's remember those situations, our healthcare workers, missionaries, our military, first responders, firefighters, our country leaders, uh, the flood victims, Michael Lyles, a three-month-old baby with COVID, 
church is needing pastors, and we're one of them. So let's remember all these. Uh, I do have a praise. I had a cousin up in uh, um, Atlanta, Texas, who got so bad with COVID, her son had to call an ambulance because she couldn't even help herself. He couldn't, he couldn't carry her. Anyway, he had to call an ambulance to get her up to Texas County in the hospital, and she's hoping to go home today. So, uh, uh, Margaret, my f first cousin, and her daughter also recovering from COVID at home, and, and she's better. So, thank the Lord for that. Are there any other requests that need to be voiced from the floor? Okay, let's remember those who have lost family members to COVID. As I said before, just because God said He's going to bless us, it didn't mean that some of us wouldn't be called on home. So, uh, But still, it's hard on those of us that's left here. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your blessings. Thank You, Lord, for helping us through the hard times, giving us Your comfort. We know that when we worship you and serve you, we're never alone. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance. Lord, we thank you for this country we live in. We ask your blessings on our leaders, that you would steer them to make the right decisions. Be with all these requests as printed in our bulletin today, Lord. We thank you once again, Lord, for all you do for us. Now bless us, God, as he brings the word of life to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Uh, it's been said already, but Brother John, happy birthday to you. Glad to have uh, all the guests that you have with you with us today. So that's a, a blessing for us too. I uh, know some of them we, we've stolen from Brother Ron's church down south. So I uh, recognize them. So I uh, hope that he'll, he'll forgive us. I'll tell Brother Ron I said hello when you get back. But uh, glad to have you all here today. Um, Good to see Ken and Amy back, and I'm glad you are back with us this morning. And you know, it's uh, Brother John's birthday, but it's Donna's birthday too. So, Donna, happy birthday to you. So, um, got lots of things to celebrate. This, um, you know, with yesterday being the 20th anniversary of 9 11, oh, can you believe it's been 20, 20 years? Uh, if you were, it looks like everyone in here, almost just about everybody was around back then. Uh, you probably remember where you're at, what you were doing when that happened. And it's just, um, it's been 20 years, wow. But with the anniversary yesterday, you might have seen or heard some of the stories in the news and on TV and the radio about helping us to remember that horrific day. It was a day when many, many Americans were killed just simply because they were American. And that was the reason. So it's good to remember it and uh, to memorialize that. But a lot of the stories that were out there, the ones that stood out to me were the ones that were talking about people who were in the buildings uh, when the plane struck and they remained in the buildings before it collapsed. And the stories that I heard some this week were the ones where they made phone calls, made phone calls to people, to their mom or to their dad or to their spouse 
or to their other friend or family member or something like that. Did y'all see any of those stories like that or heard those? When Rebecca and I were in New York um, recently, a couple years ago, I guess, we went to the memorial, the 9-11 memorial, and there was a section in there where you could listen to some of the answering machine recordings of, of people that were doing that. And, you know, it, it just, um, they called, they wanted to call someone they loved, right? They wanted to um, tell them what was happening, even though they might not have really even known what was going on uh, fully, but they wanted to talk to somebody they loved. They wanted to tell them they loved them. They wanted to hear that they were loved. Um, you know, when it gets to the end of life, you don't really hear people talking about regrets of um, that they didn't accumulate more things than they accumulated or that they didn't take more opportunities to punch the clock a few more hours at work to make a little more money. What you hear about is that typically at the end of life, people are just thinking about who they love and who loves them. It's about relationships, isn't it? The things that's important. What's really important in this life? Relationships. And what's the number one important relationship? It's our relationship with God, isn't it? So what's really important in this life? The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So he had an eternal perspective of life and knew that living for this temporal world, for this temporal world only, was not really living. He lived to speak out boldly about Christ. He lived to um, become more like Christ along the way and just to live for Christ. He was ready to die because he knew it was just a, really a continuation of life that would really even be better than the life here. But he knew that while he was here, he would live for Christ the best that he could and not live for this world. Why live for Christ? Paul tells us in Colossians 1, verse 13 through 17, I'll read. Speaking of Christ, it said, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. And I've read this scripture a few times with y'all over the last couple months. It's really just something that's resonating with me lately. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So I would say for Christ, to live as Christ. Wow, he explains it there, doesn't he? All things are for Him. All things hold together in Him. He goes on, Paul does, in Colossians, and he tells the, the people there at the church, the Colossian church, he said, and whatever you do, this is chapter 3, verse 17, whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And a little 
few more verses down, verse 23, he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for man. As working for the Lord. We have life because of the Lord. Right? And what matters in this life and what matters in the way we live our lives is that we live it for the Lord. The one who gave us life in the first place. So when it comes to this life, what is of primary importance is our relationship with the Lord. Our relationship with God. I think of my relationship with my son and how I love him, how he brings a smile to my face. Now don't get me wrong, there's times when I'm not smiling. Right? <laughs> But I still love him so much, right? Um, I see how he does things, at least when he was younger. <laughs> how he does things to try to make me proud of him. Or to try to please me. Try to bring a smile to my face. And in my relationship with my dad, um, that's the way it was. It was always important for me to know that he was proud of me. That I pleased him. That I put a smile on his face. I'm sure it's the same for most people. Wouldn't you agree? We want to please our parents. What about our Heavenly Father? What about our Heavenly Father? As God's children, are we trying to live in such a way to make God proud of us? Um, like we want our daddies to be proud of us? We know that there's nothing we can do, and there's nothing we can not do, that would make God love us any less. All right? He loves us. In our worst, He loves us. But what about pleasing God? What about pleasing God? At Jesus' baptism, God the Father's voice was heard to say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am what? well pleased. God the Father was pleased. He was pleased with Jesus, His Son. Wow, to hear that, wouldn't that be something? What can we do to please God? The writer of Hebrews says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we know that first of all, our faith in Him is necessary in order for God to really be pleased. A faith, wow, that's a big topic. That's a big topic. Um, but it's impossible to please God without it. So how can we break this down this morning in some pieces that maybe we can hopefully digest and come to a better understanding of what is pleasing to God? What makes Him proud? What puts a smile on His face, right? So I've titled the sermon this morning, What Makes God Smile? So let's, let's consider that this morning. Many of you may have, uh, may remember, you probably remember back several years ago, the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Remember that one? Okay, some of you probably even read it yourself. Um, in it, Rick Warren describes that our first purpose is for God's pleasure. Our first purpose is for God's pleasure. We're planned for God's pleasure. So a lot of what I'll be sharing with you from this point on through the sermon is some things that where I received help from that book when I read through that book. And so to start off here, let me allow me to uh, quote Warren from that book. He says, 
The moment you were born into the world, God was there as an unseen witness, smiling at your birth. He wanted you alive, and your arrival gave him great pleasure. God did not need to create you, but he chose to create you for his own enjoyment. You exist for his benefit, his glory, his purpose, and his delight. Bringing enjoyment to God, living for his pleasure, is the first purpose of your life. And that's from the Purpose Driven Life. So since pleasing God, as Warren puts it, is the first purpose of our life, our most important task then seems to be how to do that, to dis discover how to do that, how to please God. Ephesians 5.10, I don't refer often to the message translation. I'm going to make several uh, references this morning to the message translation of the Bible. And in the message, Ephesians chapter 5.10, it says, Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. So can we make a goal together today to make the smile of God a goal in our life? Make the smile of God a goal in our life. The smile of God. Think of that. Think of that. Isn't that a great goal? You smile sometimes, don't you? <laughs> right. we, I saw the guys back there. It reminded me of uh, Camp Pollock. I knew them from Pollock. A game, when I was in, a kid at Pollock, we used to play this game where you, I'm going to do this. Y'all might not like it. I'm going to do it. So find a partner next to you. It's awkward when there's three of you, so you don't know which way to turn. But find your partner and turn to them. And one, partner number one, you say to them, I love you. All right? All right. Now the other person, partner number two, you're going to say, I love you, but I just can't smile. <laughs> All right. All right. Turn to them saying, all right. How are you doing? Are you not smiling? Okay. All right. So the object of that game back when we were a kid was you're supposed to try not to smile. And the other partner could do whatever they could do. They couldn't touch you. They couldn't tickle you or anything, but they could make faces or they could do whatever. And uh, they, were, they would just say, I love you, or whatever, you know. They were trying to make the person smile, and they're being all stoic. I love you, but I just can't smile. But they'll eventually smile, right? You just, love just makes you smile. Um, and picture God smiling. Picture God smiling. Numbers 6.25 says, May the Lord smile upon you. And the psalmist David implores of God in chapter 119. If you haven't read Psalms 119 in a while, read that one. That's a good one. But in this chapter, David says, Smile on me, your servant. Teach me the right way to live. David wanted God to smile on him. So what makes God smile? The Bible gives us a pretty clear example of a life that gives pleasure to God. I'll give you a hint here. I borrowed this from the nursery. All right. That somebody said, what are you going to do with that? I said, I'm teaching a kid's lesson. All right. But it's to adults. So, all right. Who was this? Who was the life that gave pleasure to God? Noah. Noah, right? Rebecca and, and Micah and I, on our last little vacation a few weeks ago, we got to take a little detour and go visit the Ark Encounter. 
So I don't know how many of you have seen that, but it's pretty incredible. And um, it's a huge display of an arc structure that was built there on that property and to help people give, a, give people an idea of what it was like. And, uh, but just walking through it, seeing all the things that Noah and his family would have had to done to prepare that according to what God had called him to do is pretty incredible. And Noah, the life of Noah is an example to us in Scripture of a, a life that was pleasing to God. And it says so. So um, as my um, primary text this morning, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 6. It's also printed in your uh, handout or your bulletin this morning. But Genesis chapter 6. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it straight from that because I, I had them printed in the um, God's Word translation because of uh, one of the phrases of how it phrased it. So I'll just read it from that. Genesis 6, verses 5 through 8, not through 98. So we're, we would be here a while, but verses 5 through 8. The Lord saw how evil humans had become on the earth. All day long their deepest thoughts were nothing but evil. The Lord was sorry that he had made humans on the earth and he was heartbroken. So he said, I will wipe off the face of the earth these humans that I created. I will wipe out not only humans but also domestic animals, crawling animals, and birds. I'm sorry that I made them. But the Lord was pleased with Noah. The Lord was pleased with Noah. Now I had a lot of uh, scriptures leading up to the verse that I was wanting to read about God's pleasure there. God was pleased with Noah. In contrast with everything else that was going on in the world, he was not pleased with. But with the life of Noah, he was pleased. So we're going to look today at some of what the life of Noah looked like that would have been pleasing to God, that would have brought a smile to the Lord's face. So God basically was saying here, this guy Noah, he brings me pleasure. He makes me smile. I'm going to spare him and start all over with him and his family. And because Noah brought pleasure to God, we're here today. No, great, 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 great grandpa Noah. However many greats we want to put in front of it. But... Um, a few weeks ago, we read uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where it talks about uh, presenting our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is our service, our spiritual service of worship. So we're going to look at five ways, five acts of worship that make God smile and that please Him, that we can learn from Noah. And there's many more that we could probably get into, but... Number one, God smiles when we love Him supremely. When we love Him supremely. Noah loved God more than anything else in the world. And even when no one else did. We read that. No one else really cared about God. I've mentioned a few times that um, I'm from Oak Grove, small town. Went to the Goodwill Church. When I was a kid, now in Oak Grove now, there's a few things. There's a McDonald's and a Subway and a Johnny's Pizza and stuff like that. We didn't have many things like that uh, when I was a kid. If we wanted pizza, we had to pack up and drive to the big city of Bastrop to get Pizza Hut, right? <laughs> so, but I can remember even sometimes a youth after church on Sunday night, we'd gather in the van and we'd go over and get pizza over at, John, uh, not Johnny, at Pizza Hut. 
And um, man, what kind of pizza do you like? I don't like the single, single topping, two topping. I like all of it. I put, put, put all the toppings on there. The Supreme Pizza. Now, this is stretching it a little bit. You have to use your imagination. But if God liked pizza, <laughs> I think he'd like a Supreme Pizza, right? He likes it all. He's the God who, he likes it all. Someone said of God that he likes it all or he doesn't like it at all. In talking of us, he wants our all. And he wants our love, our supreme love. Um, that brings a smile to his face. That's the way he is about you. He loves us supremely. And that's the way he wants us to be about him. He wants us to love him supremely. Genesis 6, 9, the next verse after where we stopped earlier, says that Noah consistently followed God's will and enjoyed a close relationship with him. That's a new living, I think. Another translation more simply says that Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. He walked with him. He had a relationship with him. And this is what God wants from you, a relationship. It's awesome to think about the God the God, the creator, the creator not only of you and me, but the creator of the tiniest little microorganisms and the creator of the enormous ga galaxies. He wants a relationship with me. He wants a relationship with you. God made you to love you. And he longs for you to love him back. He says in Hosea 6.6, 6, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. God is passionate about you. Learning to love God and learning to understand God's love for us should be the greatest objective of our life. Nothing's more important. Jesus called it the greatest commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. So supreme love, supreme love, that makes God smile. Secondly, God smiles when we trust Him completely. When we trust Him completely. The second reason that Noah pleased God was that he trusted God, even when it didn't make sense. And you know the story well enough about Noah and the ark that... I don't know, you would have to be probably scratching your head and doubting a little bit. It might be kind of hard to trust God when He tells you this, when He gives you this purpose for your life, when He gives you this plan that He wants you to follow. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Now that's the message again. But the um, American, New American Standard, NIV, King James, all those, similarly it says, by faith, Noah did what he did. He trusted, he trusted God. So can you picture it? <laughs> can you picture it? One day God comes to Noah and says, you know, I'm really disappointed with all of man. Um, I'm sorry I made them. Nobody ever thinks of me anymore. Nobody except you, Noah. You love me. You trust me. Now here's what we're going to do. <laughs> right? And then he lays out this plan. 
that, of what he's going to do. And he says he wants Noah to build a giant boat um, that's going to save him and save the animals. You know the story. Can you put yourself in Noah's shoes or in his sandals? I don't know what he wore. Um, can you imagine it? There are many things that could have caused Noah to doubt if I put myself in Noah's shoes. A bunch of problems I could see right off the bat. First, Noah had never seen rain. Until this point, as uh, scholars will tell us, that the earth was uh, watered, I guess you could say, from the ground up. Uh, it was... Um, there was no rain uh, to, be, um, to know about. God irrigated the earth from the ground up. Another problem, Noah didn't necessarily live close to an ocean. And here he was uh, building a, asked to build a boat, boat where he lived. Uh, it seems like he would have been saying, God, why don't you pick somebody that lives over close to the sea that maybe has some experience in building boats. You know, So there's some problems here that could cause you to doubt and to not trust. Another problem I could see off the bat was, what about all these animals? How am I going to take care of all these animals? You want me to do what? You know, how am I going to take care of all this? So lots of reasons why Noah could have said, no, I don't think so. I don't trust God in this. I, I don't want to follow this path. But in spite of it all, Noah trusted God. Noah trusted God completely. And that made God smile. I mean, think about... This, 120 years, 120 years, that's how long it took to build the ark. That's how long it took to build the ark. Noah had to really trust God to keep at it for that long. We were talking about praying and how uh, sometimes it's just hard to, to keep praying about something that you've been praying about a long time. We might give up on God in 120 days or 120 minutes. <laughs> But Noah trusted God completely for 120 years while he was building that boat. He trusted God completely. I imagine that he faced many discouraging days in those years with no sign of rain year after year. He was probably ruthlessly made fun of by neighbors as the crazy guy who's <laughs> building the bark. Now, we're using our imagination here. But... Um, I mean, wouldn't you be embarrassed if you were his kid and had that big boat out in the yard? No. <laughs> no. Um, Noah kept trusting God, despite all the obstacles, despite the many reasons why he could have stopped trusting him. How long do we stick it out with God? In what areas of my life, in what areas of your life, do you need to trust God completely? The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. God smiles when we trust Him completely. Thirdly, God smiles when we obey Him wholeheartedly. Now think about being trusted with the task of saving the animal population from a worldwide flood. It would require great attention to logistics and detail. Everything had to be done just as God prescribed it. Now, as a pharmacist, I can kind of relate to this, just as it's prescribed. I, as my job is, I have to do it just as it's prescribed. I can't just say, oh, I don't think the doctor did it right there. I, I want to do it this way. 
they need a little bigger dose or they don't need that or whatever. No, I, my job is to follow exactly what the doctor prescribes and do exactly as he said. Um, God didn't tell Noah to build a boat any old way he wanted to. He gave him some pretty specific instructions on what to do as to the size and the shape and the materials, the different numbers of animals to be brought on board. So Noah did, Genesis 6, says, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Everything exactly as God had commanded him. Notice that Noah obeyed completely. And he obeyed exactly. And that's wholeheartedness. That's obeying wholeheartedly. If God asked me to build a giant boat, I think I'd have to question it. <laughs> I'm sure I'd have some reservations and I'd probably have some objections. But Noah, he obeyed God wholeheartedly. Without reservation or without hesitation, at least it's not recorded in Scripture that way. He didn't procrastinate, but he just did it. He obeyed. He obeyed wholeheartedly. So when God asks us to do something, we tend to immediately ask why, or why me? God doesn't owe us an explanation <laughs> or a reason for everything that He asks us to do. I heard a pastor say one time, understanding can wait, but obedience can't. Understanding can wait, but obedience can't. In fact, you'll never completely understand some commands unless you start obeying them first. And I don't remember who said that, but I had written it down somewhere. But I like it. It said, you will never understand some commands until you obey them first. So don't wait around and try to understand it all and make sense of it. And then obey it. Just obey God. Trust Him. Sometimes we try to offer God partial obedience. Huh? Partial obedience. But we really can't pick and choose what we obey. Partial obedience really isn't much better than just plain old disobedience. Wholehearted obedience is what brings a smile to God. Listen to what David says, Psalms 119 again, verse 33. Just tell me what to do and I will do it, Lord. As long as I live, I'll wholeheartedly obey. Wholeheartedly obey. So why is obedience so pleasing to God? It proves that you love Him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. God smiles when we obey Him wholeheartedly. Fourthly, God smiles when we praise Him and thank Him continually. God smiles when we praise Him and thank Him continually. Don't you love a note of appreciation or a pat on the back every now and then? Now, would it be too hard to imagine that God would like that too? God likes to be appreciated. He smiles when we express appreciation to Him and how much we are grateful to Him. Noah pleased God because he lived with a heart of praise and thanksgiving. The first thing we read in Scripture, the first thing Noah did after surviving the flood was to express his thanks to God by offering a burnt sacrifice. Genesis 8.21 says, It was a soothing aroma to the Lord. 
soothing aroma to the Lord. So he took pleasure in it. He took pleasure in Noah's sacrifice. Now because of Jesus, we don't offer animal sacrifices like that anymore, like Noah did. Instead, we're told to offer God, Hebrews 13 says, a sacrifice of praise. And Psalms 116 says, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. The sacrifice of praise and the sacrifice of thanksgiving. This pleases the Lord. Now maybe um, your mama might be a little bit like mine. She likes to cook for her kids. Does your mama like to cook for her, for your kids? <laughs> when I, even though I've been away from home longer than I live there, even when I'm going back to Oak Grove now, she'll call and say, okay, you're coming. You have any special requests for a meal? You know, so she'll, she likes to cook for us. So, of course, I'll give her a request, and of course, she makes it. And, of course, we enjoy it. So, part of that is, while we're sitting around the table enjoying it, we're letting her know that we enjoy it, right? We're appreciative of it. We show our gratitude for it. And this pleases her. It gives her joy. And then, to see her have joy, we have more joy. So, it's more than just eating a meal. It's like, it goes both ways in that. In the same way with... Uh, with God, when we have our um, blessings from God, we receive something great from that. We show our gratitude for God, and that blesses Him when we show our gratitude. And then when we know that He's blessed, we have more joy. Um, the scripture, there's a scripture that says in Psalms, it says, The righteous are glad and rejoice in His presence. They are happy and shout for joy. So God smiles when we express our praise and our gratitude. And last, about time to go. Number five, if you're taking notes, this is the fifth one. God smiles when we use our abilities. God smiles when we use our abilities. After the flood, God gave Noah these simple instructions. We read it in chapter 9 of Genesis. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So God said, it's time to get on with your life. Do the things that I designed you to do. Have babies. Raise families. Plant crops, eat meals, just be humans. This is what I made you to be, and this pleases me. So why do I bring this up? Well, this is one of the points that was in the book about um, how you please God is using our abilities. But you might feel like the only time God is pleased with you is if you're doing quote-unquote spiritual things. If you've got your nose in the Bible and you're reading this, you got your knees at the altar and you're praying. You're doing some kind of what we would call spiritual thing. And you think, well, that's the only time God's pleased with me. But this points out that God is concerned not only with that, but every part of your life. Every part of your life. God enjoys watching every detail of your life. Whether you're working, whether you're playing, whether you're resting or even eating. He doesn't make a, miss a single move you make. Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Isn't that neat? Everything you do except sin can be done for God's pleasure 
if you do it with an attitude of worship, an attitude of praise. You can wash dishes. I wasn't looking at you specifically when I said that. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can fix your truck. You can sell Mary Kay. You can coach a team. You can drive a tractor. <laughs> you can, you can uh, play an instrument. You can raise a family. All these things you can do that aren't necessarily spiritual, God can get the glory out of that. God can smile at that. God has given each of us different gifts and talents for His enjoyment. These abilities can bring a smile to God's face if we use them. You don't bring glory or pleasure to God by hiding your abilities or trying to be someone that you're not. You bring Him enjoyment by being you. God created you to be you. You please Him. Don't reject how He's created you. Be yourself. Be the one that He's created you to be. God enjoys you being you. So what's the attitude of your heart this morning? Is pleasing Him your desire? This was Paul's life goal. 2 Corinthians 5, he said, More than anything else, however, we want to please Him whether in our home here or there. So what's your focus? Is it how much pleasure am I getting out of this world, out of this life, or how much pleasure is God getting out of my life? How much pleasure is God getting out of my life? Psalm 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who want to please God. And when God looked down on Noah's life, he was pleased. He had a smile on his face, I would imagine. And God is looking for people like Noah today. One, how can you make God smile? One, um, go ahead and have the music come up. Uh, musicians come up and I'll be closing here. So as they're coming up, we'll wrap it up here with a, a recap. Five ways that we can make God smile. One, by loving Him, what? Supremely. Love Him supremely. Two, by trusting Him completely. Three, by obeying Him wholeheartedly. Four, by praising and thanking Him continually. And five, by being the you that He created you to be and by using the abilities that He's given you. Can we do that this morning? Wouldn't it be great to see the smile of God? Let's pray. Dear God, we're thankful for the Scripture. We could read the life of Noah. God, we see how he, he trusted you, how he obeyed you, how he was pleasing to you in the way that he lived his life. God, that you looked on him and you had pleasure. God, uh, as we live our life, God, help us just to be careful not to live it in a way to see what kind of things we can get out of this world or out of this life to please ourselves. But God, how can we live our life in a way that's pleasing to you? God, we value our relationship with you. We know that uh, in the end, that's really what matters. Help us to see that all the way through also. And help us to live our lives daily in a way that would be pleasing to you and put a smile on your face. God, we're thankful for the hope that we have in you, for the future that we have in you. 
And God, that it's one that's, um, that is just full of hope for us. God, help us to live our life in a way that will please you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand with us if you're able, and we'll sing something for thee. close with a word of prayer, but circles, don't forget to go by after your circles classes and wish John a happy birthday. And if you catch him, maybe you can give him 90 licks. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, help us to take this sermon to heart and try to make you smile. Help us to always be aware, Lord that you did save us for a purpose. You saved Noah so he could repopulate the earth. And we need to do our part, Lord, to please you, make you smile. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>